you're a Christian, you can have a bad day. How many of you know you got an enemy? The devil, he comes to seek, to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you to have a bad day. And what we're going to look at uh, here in a minute, uh, those of you who were here Wednesday night, uh, we've been studying through Ephesians, and part of this message kind of came from Ephesians, what we were studying, partly from last week. So let's just get, get going with this. A bad day. How many of you know you survive bad days, right? You make it through. But how many of you would rather thrive in a bad day instead of just survive? Right? How many of you know that when you, you, could, you leave church today and you go about your day, you're doing better than that person on life support? You don't want to just survive. You don't want to just survive the day. You want to thrive in the day. Amen. And walk in God's promises. So look what it says in John 16, 33. This is Jesus speaking. And he had just told all his disciples, get ready, guys. A bad day's coming. A bad day's coming. There. I'm going to be crucified, all these things. But he says this. I have told you these things so that was those next two words. In me. I have told you these things so that in me, it doesn't say you will have peace. No, he says you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, in me, in him, you may have, in other words, peace is available to everyone. Is not salvation available to everyone? For those who believe. It's available, but does everyone accept it? Does everyone walk in salvation? No. Peace is available for everyone. He says, in him you may have peace. And what I want to look at today is how do we receive that peace and walk in that peace? That, that's what we're going to talk about today, that we can have that peace so that in him you will have peace. So look at your first uh, notes on your page, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. It says this, and this is what we're studying on the armor of God on uh, Wednesday nights right now. <coughs> it says, finally, be strong. But he tells you two ways, in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord, and in His mighty power. Notice you're not in any of that. You're going to have a bad day when you're trying to rely on your own power, your own strength to carry you through. I want you to understand that God's peace that transcends all understandings applies in our life, and we go through things that we don't even realize that it's only because of the grace and mercy of God that we're able to go through these things in life. That, you know, when you lose a loved one, it's only by God's grace and mercy that you're able to go on in life. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. The, the, the word says that, uh, it says, it's not by might nor power, but, but not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he was talking about the amount of people. He was talking about the physical strength. It's not that that gets you through it. It is His spirit. And that's what makes it available to you that you may have peace in this world. He says, so he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? The devil's schemes. The devil's schemes. And that's what I was kind of thinking about uh, today, focusing on all these things. Of, well, what is devil's schemes? What does he try to do? 
He's talking about this, this is what causes bad days for you. Okay? This is the way he works. And, and <laughs> let, let me just give a quick overview as we go, because I want you to grasp this. What the enemy wants to do is distract you from, from where you're supposed to be focused. It says, keep your eyes on what? Jesus. It doesn't say keep your eyes on the problem. Because when my eyes, when the devil could get you in his scheming to take your eyes off of him and place it on the problem, your thoughts consume that are consumed by that problem and it brings chaos in your life. This is the whole theme of today. So thinking of this, let's look what it says here in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord when? It doesn't say when things are going good. Wait, let me look at that again. Rejoice in the Lord when? Now, don't misread this. It says rejoice in the Lord always at all times. It, says, it doesn't say rejoice in the Lord for things. Okay, that, that'd be kind of misguided. Rejoice in the Lord because I have this problem. No. It doesn't say rejoice in the Lord because of the problem. It says rejoice in the Lord even besides the problem. It says rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Back to what I was talking about, how the de- one of the devil's schemes is to distract you. Do you realize that we were created in God's image and he gave us an imagination? Right? Did anybody know what imagination is? You, you imagine things in your mind. You think of things. It's a create, part of creativity, imagining things. Do you know that worry is a misuse of your imagination? Think about that. Worry, anxiety is a misuse of imagination that God gave you. Because you begin to think about the worst that could happen. Right? You begin to imagine the terrible outcome. Worry, anxiety is a misuse of imagination. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take you to misuse that imagination and think that it, nothing will ever work out. That I'll always be. And this is what I uh, uh, say here in verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Uh, the Lord is near. So he's, he's starting with rejoice always in your, in your times of trouble, in the good times, in every situation. When you're having a bad day, rejoice always. I say it again, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, this is where, where our minds start wandering off. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God so this is what I'm going to do I'm either going to panic or I could pray I could worry or I could worship there's your choices God's Word says if you want to have the peace of God in your life, and it's going to say it in a second here. We're going to read another verse. 
But it's saying if you pray about it and you worship God, peace will come. But if you misuse your imagination, you're going to worry and panic. What is going through your mind? Are you believing the, sorry to say it, but we start believing the problem's bigger than God. That God can't do it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Does that mean little things? Everything. Everything. He says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then it says, once you do that, he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Notice what it does. It guards your heart and your mind so your imagination don't wander off into the negative. That it stays uh, positive and true on God's word. <clears throat> then it, uh, verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. No, notice what he's doing. He's telling you what, what you do in the bad days, what you got to do. And he's, then he begins to tell you this is what you need to think about. Instead of the problem, he says this is what you need to think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, throw away the anxiety, throw away the worry, pray about it, and petition God with your request. And he says, think about those things. <clears throat> then he goes on to say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, here's the key. Put it into practice. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. But you, he says it's beyond just knowing what to do, it is doing it. And I was thinking about this this morning, uh, a way to explain this, and many of you have seen this before. You know that coins have different, people say, here's a quarter call. Someone who cares. I got a penny. What is the saying for a penny? A penny for your thoughts. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use a penny. A penny for your thoughts. What, is there anything we could buy today with a penny? Is, does, I know gum used to be two cents. Bubble gum, I don't think you, you can. And I was trying to think. Can, can we buy anything for a penny today? Nothing that I know of. Right? You need a bunch of these to buy something. So the penny for your thoughts, this tiny penny here, which is insignificant and almost shouldn't even exist, except when we have to pay, pay 27 cents for something, we need to get a quarter and two of these. But this in itself is so insignificant. When you go outside today, this afternoon, when you're going to feel that good 90-something degrees outside, there's this star or planet out there called the sun, S-U-N, burning. The sun is 
109 times the diameter of the earth. And this is Google that said this, so you can't be wrong. <laughs> that we could take the earth and fit a 1,300,000 earths inside the sun. That's big. But do you realize that planet, that sun that is so big, if I go outside this afternoon and I take this insignificant penny for my thoughts and I focus, close one eye and focus on this penny so much, I could block out the whole sun with this penny. Something so insignificant can block out the sun. Does that mean the sun is not existing anymore? No. It simply means that this has become bigger in my life than that. Now we'll talk about the other son, the S-O-N. Fix our eyes on Jesus. But if I'm not careful, I'll begin to focus on insignificant. The Bible says that our problems we go through today are uh, small and momentarily insignificant compared to what we have in God. And I'll get, the de all the devil wants you to do is focus on this. It doesn't mean that the son of God becomes any less, but I can't see him because here's my focus. On something that is insignificant, blocks me from seeing the move of God in my life because my thoughts are focused on this. And that's all that Satan wants to do. That's some of his schemes is to get your eyes off of him and on this. And this becomes bigger than him. A penny for your thoughts. So he says, whatever you have learned and received from me or seen in me, put it in the practice. So what does he say? Think on those things. Quit focusing on the penny and think of him. And he says, then the peace of God will, uh, that transcends all understanding. Proverbs 4.23, the NIV says this, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the what? Wellspring of life. I, I like the way the Good News translation says it. It says, be careful how you Think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think, what you focus on. Your life is shaped by the way you think. Right? I said this example Wednesday night. If you don't think what you think about, again, the, the, the gates in your life where you see eye gates, ear gates, the mouth, the hand, the touch, the thing, that if you're not careful what you put before your eyes, what you focus on, it will affect you. If you don't believe me, go home today when you're not hungry. Turn on the food channel and start watching. What happens? You want to eat. Why? Because your thoughts go there. See, what I think about affects my life. So that's why I have to remember not to focus on the penny, 
and keep thinking about the penny, which is insignificant, because that, that's all I'm going to be consumed with, and my actions will be controlled by that. Anxiety, worry, and I'll be missing him. So look what it says in Hebrews 12, 2. <coughs> and this is the message translation, message uh, paraphrase, should I say. I, I like the way it said it here or there. Keep your eyes on what? Jesus. Keep your eyes on the S-O-N. The enemy just wants to keep putting this back in you. This insignificant thing, make you focus on this, because if he could get you to focus on this, I'm going to miss the S-O-N. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And notice what it says, who both began and finished the race we're in. See, Jesus was our example how to overcome this world. And it says this, he finished the race we're in, and then it says, study how he did it. Follow his example to overcome. Study how he did it. Because notice what it says next. Because he never what? He never what? Never what? Ne of what? Where he was headed. You see, he never let the penny get in front of his eye. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, who both began and finished the race we were in and study how he done it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. And notice what it says. He could put up with anything along the way. His bad days, when the enemy tried to come against him, when the enemy came to test him and to tempt him and do all these things, he could put up with anything. Why? Because he kept his eyes focused on the Father. With the cross, the shame, whatever. He says, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside of God. So this is what I need us to get today. <coughs> in, in looking at his life and the things, be, we need to be confident that there's a purpose and an end to your bad day. There's a purpose and an end to your bad day. Jesus said it in three words when he was on the cross. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Now, the rest of the, that verse says that he gave up his spirit. No one took it from him. He gave up the spirit. But he realized in that statement, it is finished. It means my purpose. The purpose that the Father had, it is finished. His purpose has come to fulfillment and there's an end to the test. Whatever you're going through, God is trying to work something in you. He's trying to work something or work something out of you. Usually it's both the same thing is work something out of you so he can put something in you. Okay, Because we got to get rid of this junk that's inside of us. Less of us and more of him. You can only fit a gallon of water in a gallon jug. The only way you could add some more, some more water in it is to remove some. Okay, so God, God's trying to remove stuff in us and, uh, and also put stuff in us. So when he says that it is finished, 
This is what I want you to understand, that God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a pain. The Bible says, in all things we know that God works for the good of those who love him. It doesn't say it's going to feel good. It doesn't say that he causes it. But he says he uses it. So whatever I'm going through my bad day today, I know that God is for me and God is going to use it. And it's not going to last forever. There's a purpose he's going to use it for and it's going to come to an end. And I'm going to walk out in victory on the other side. Notice what it says in Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6. Here's the bad day. Those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. I may be having the bad day today, but you know what? As long as I keep my eyes focused on him, I'll come out of it in joy. God's got a purpose, and he's going to use this, whatever I'm going through in life. He says, he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return. Guess what? He's coming back a totally different way with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Notice how the trial came to an end. And guess what? They didn't end up back in the desert. They ended up in the promised land. You're coming out with the joy. Amen? So get ready to jump in what God has for you. So <clears throat> Psalms 30 verse 5 says this. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts what? A lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. There is purpose and an end to what we're going to go through. This bad day is going to come to an end. We're going we're gonna to get through this, whatever we're going through. Remember, it's not God causing it. God never causes anything bad to happen to us. He'll use with the enemy. We cause bad things, other people cause bad things, and the devil causes bad things in our life. But God will use those things to work in our life, to change us and make us more like his son. <coughs> So think about, I wrote in the beginning, think about such things. Think about such things. These things I want you to put on your refrigerator, whatever you uh, have, uh, and remember these four things that we're going to talk about today because this makes the difference. It's thinking about those things, thinking about him and not this. God is bigger than this problem that you have in your life. Think about these things. What he says, keep your minds on these things. Things. Number one, and this is what we're talking, we have to confess this, is I know that God loves me. So number one, let's confess that. Say, I know that God loves me. Let's try that again. There we go. I know that God loves me. Amen. You have to believe that. Notice what it says here. This is what I have to keep my mind on. In Lamentations 3, 21 through 23 says this. Yet this I do what? Call to mind. In other words, he's saying, uh, my mind may be starting to get distracted, but I need to refocus back on this. He says, this I call back to mind. I need to remember this. He says, and therefore, I have hope. 
Because I'm calling these things to mind, it brings hope back into my life because I'm not so consumed on the penny anymore. I'm not so consumed about my bad day or what I'm going through right now. I'm beginning to call back to mind that God loves me, and it begins to remove that penny further and further from my eye, and I could see the true sun. <coughs> he says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Can I tell you something? No matter what you're going through right now in life, if you woke up this morning, God's not through with you yet. If you have breath in your lungs, God's not through with you yet. If you have a heartbeat, God is not through with you yet. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His, his, for his compassions never fail. And notice this again. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God, we know that you love us. Amen. And we're, you're going to be with us. So second thing we're going to confess <coughs> is I know that God wants the best for me. So let's confess that. I know that God wants the best for me. God, if, God, if God is for me, who can be against me? Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 11. If you then, though are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. I love those next three words. How much more? He's talking to a lost, dying world. He says, if you evil people know how to give good gifts, then he doesn't <laughs> tell your children. He doesn't just stay there. He says, but how much more? How much better will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How many of you born again? Your father's in heaven. How much more will he give the best for you? He al Listen, he's already gave, given his son for you. God wants the best for me. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many the promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Now notice this part. And so through him... The amen is spoken by who? By us to the glory of God. See, Christ done it, but it says the amen. And amen means that I believe it also translates, let it be so. But who is it spoken by? Us. It's our confession. We have to agree. That's why we, all the promises are God's, uh, of God are true in Christ. But we confess them. I tell you what, that's better than sliced bread and apple jelly. Amen. Amen. So, things we need to focus on. Know that God loves you. Know that God wants the best for you. Number three is I know that God has a plan for me. So let's say that now. I know that God has a plan for me. And this is what I need you to understand. There's many scriptures we could have used. The only reason you exist is because God had a plan. You didn't show up and surprise God. The Bible says he knew you before he knitted you in your mother's womb. 
He knew you before. He knew the plans he has for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a future. Notice it doesn't say about destruction, that he's coming to destroy you. God wants the very best for you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I need to understand that I know that God has a plan for me. My world may be chaotic right now uh, because uh, uh, all these situations going on, but I need to realize God has a plan for me. And 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says this, Therefore, we do not, what? Lose heart. Don't give up. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Our world is falling apart. He says, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Verse 17 says, for our light and momentary troubles. That's the penny. Our light and momentary troubles. He says, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs them all. But all the enemy wants to do is get your focus off of that and focus on this. Can I just stop for a second? You know what I try and do sometimes? And again, this, this is all a work in progress that we all do. It's not like it's so simple. You know, it's simple on paper, but to activate it in your life. Sometimes when the devil's getting me upset and things aren't going right, I stop and I say, you dirty devil. I'm going to praise God anyway. And I, I, I can't imagine how mad that gets him. Like, oh, what I intended for harm. He was all salivating and, oh, look, the chaos I'm causing. And then, wait, 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 it's not bothering you now? Right? Think about it. You have to change. Listen, he's going to go find somebody else to pick on if he can't get, get through you. He says, therefore, do not lose heart. Through, though outwardly we are wasting, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then again, notice what it says again. So we do what? Fix our eyes not on what is seen. Let me pull my trusty penny out again. Not on what is seen. Don't fix your eyes and focus on the, your light and momentary problem. He says, he says this, but what is unseen? For what is seen is what? Temporary. It has a purpose in your life. God's going to use it, but it comes to an end. So he says, for what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen. Fourth thing, I know that God will bring me through. So let's say, let's confess that. I know that God will bring me through. He promises to be there with you. The psalmist said, though I make my bed in the pits of hell, there you are also. He never leave you or forsake you. <clears throat> now notice what 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 18, Paul's writing and he says this. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now that's not a happy statement. But it tells us that people may fail you. Jesus out of Judas. 
Peter denied knowing him three times. When he went to the uh, uh, garden to pray of Gethsemane, he asked them to pray with him, but guess what happened? Every time he came back, what was going on? People will always fail you. See, that's why we have to put our trust in him and not others. It, we surround ourselves. We are made for relationships with others. But when God first created Adam, that very first relationship he had was with God. Adam never complained and asked for an Eve, never anything, because he was totally complete in his relationship with God. Then God said it's not good for him to be alone and introduce him to Eve. But then what does he do later on? He turns on God and says, oh, God, is this woman you gave me. <laughs> that was the, I wasn't the problem, it's the woman you gave me. So he says, in my defense, everyone deserted me. And, but I love what he says, may it not be held against them. See, he realized, too, that even though I'm having a bad day or someone else is having a bad day, other people are, too. You know, the whole world isn't just about me. The whole world isn't just about you. Ever, the Bible says that all of us have gone through the same sufferings that we go through. Everybody faces things. Everybody goes through things. And he says, don't hold it against them. But at verse 17, I love what it says, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. Remember our scripture in the beginning? Be strong in the Lord and in his might. He says, the Lord stood by me, and it's not my strength, but the Lord gave me strength to go through this. He says, so that through the message it might be fulfilled, uh, fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles might hear the message. And he says, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. It's going to come to an end. What you're going through one day is going to come to an end. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. God can deliver you. He said, the Lord will rescue me from some evil attacks, from every evil attack, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Notice what it says. He will deliver me from every evil attack. He didn't say the attacks won't happen. But if I keep my eye on him, he could take me and deliver me through it and rescue me from that. So if our worship team wants to come start making their way to the front right now as we're going to be getting ready to receive communion. Philippians 1, 4 through 6 says this. He says, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with what? Joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says this. Being confident of this. Remembering our fourth thing that I, I know God will bring me through. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's purpose and end to our bad days. God's going to use it to change you, to mature you, and it's going to come to an end as long as we don't take our eyes off of him.
that's how you could go from just surviving a bad day to thriving in a bad way. Turn the tables on the devil. Say, I know what you're trying to do. I know what you're up to, you old yellow belly rat snake. I think that was prophetic right there. <laughs> you know, yellow belly rat snake crawling on the ground and sneaking up. And You see, he moves in quietly, and we don't realize it. And a problem lingers, and we slowly bring it into our focus. And we slowly give it more and more attention that we block out the S-O-E and all our thoughts and imaginations are consumed by this insignificant thing where our future far outweighs anything we're going through now. Amen. Christ gave, God gave his son, Christ Jesus, on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And as we get ready to receive communion, you don't have to be a member of Christian Fellowship Church, but we do ask that you be a born-again believer, that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that before, I just ask everyone to stand right now. We want to give you that opportunity here this morning. Communion isn't about Christian Fellowship Church. It's about a, a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here right now. Just repeat everyone with me right now. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you are for me, that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins because you want to have a relationship with me. I accept the gift of salvation. Welcome me into your home forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Suzanne, Brother Allen, Sister Jeanette. Uh,